Hello once again and welcome to the Caged In Podcast. This is episode 12. Fucking hell, I made it to 12 this week. Unfortunately, it's just me again. Uh, your host, Petros Patsilivus. Um Last episode was real fun. I I thought it was real fun. I hope you guys did. Um, Max, he's a bloody lovely guy, isn't he? Um, yeah, had loads of fun watching Vampire's Kiss. Uh, it's fucking bananas. Again, just check out... If you don't want to check out the whole film, just check out the YouTube clips. It's it's the first real Nick Cage like standout performance of just being a fucking nut. Um, but let's get on to the proceedings of today's episode, which is the 1989 film Time to Kill. This came out the same year as Never on Tuesday... And Vampire's Kiss. Uh, Obviously, it looks like it was a busy year for Nicolas Cage. Never on Tuesday, he was in it for about 30 fucking seconds. So, I don't think so. I don't like... Yeah. He only really did two films this year, let's be honest. Um, As always, let's get the rules over and done with nice and early. Those of you who never listened before... I've got two real rules in place. No expectations, no distractions. And they go as follows. So, no expectations. Like this film, like many before it, like many to come. I know nothing about this film. And I want to keep it that way. I want to keep it fresh. I want to go into it as if I'm seeing this. As it came out, like I mentioned in the last one, like I want to be, I want to have that experience of going into going into blockbuster, seeing a film called Time to Kill, seeing it's got Slippery Nick Cage on the front cover and going, yeah, that's what I'm watching tonight. I'm, but, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not reading the synopsis. I'm not. I'm I'm not I'm not thumbing through I don't know what they would have had in 1989. I'm not I'm not rummaging through magazines trying to trying to look at reviews. I'm just taking it home, putting it straight in the VHS player, and going for it. So nothing, no IMDb scores, no Metacritic, no Rotten Tomatoes, no Roger Ebert. That comes at the end. What I do is. I say what I think of the film and then I see if my opinions match those of the wider world. Am I am I am I out of touch? Am I in touch with it? Um not I'm not gonna be too butthurt if if my opinion's totally different. It could be that I'm a uh, I'm a fucking renegade. Uh and then there is no distractions. Yeah, I can't stress this one enough. Um, even with Max, we literally sat in the dark, both had notepads, both taking down notes, both like off the grid. So no phones, no laptops. Like we chatted to each other like 
throughout it. I've got a little fun. Obviously, the punishment came in the first 10. I was watching them completely solo. Um, now, I have the chance to have people around. Like, um, yeah, so so nothing. No, no distractions, blinds closed, lights off, just really immersing. Like, probably giving these films more attention and, like they deserve but fuck it a lot of people worked hard on these like even even if they're not great let's just i feel i feel that cinema probably films in general should should have this level of respect anyway but it's a lot easier said than done so um yeah like because i can i will i will with these it kind of Let's be honest. If if a film is if a film is shit, I, I would look at my phone. And say it's on airplane mode. It's down. Um, that's enough of the rules. Uh, so I'm going to immerse myself in the cage. Cage. Those of you who don't know about it, it is a 360 VR like just nothing but cage it's fully immersive it's fucking nuts uh i was meant to get max to enter the cage cage i totally forgot we kind of we'd been chatting we'd had a couple of beers we were like fuck it let's get into it was, it was getting real late as well we we're like just just let's watch the film and then let's just get on and record and yeah but i'm gonna do that and then when we come back we're going to get into the ridiculous nature of Nicolas Cage. Feels like I've been awake for days. Watch a film starring Nicolas Cage. Could be shit or it could be fun. Valley girl face off an army of one. Deadpool corner, lord of war. The wicker man trespassing so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first ten are solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations Over the weeks, hear my frustrations I guess the podcast is about to begin I'm your host Petra Plasilevis and I'm caged in Right, so as always, the cage cage was a living fucking hell Um, Yeah, as I said, previous ones, so much vampires kissing In that, like, just check it out, just have a, have a go in it It's It's fun um, I wouldn't probably recommend doing it as much as I do it because it's a novelty. Five ten minutes, like you've you've had enough. But um, yeah, let's let's get let's get rocking and rolling with it. So again, time to kill. I literally know nothing about this. I'm gonna load it up, get it in, and. Get raging with Cage. So, guys, there's certain things you come to realise and find out when you don't know anything about a film. Um, Certain things you don't know about it, like the film you're about to watch, is in Italian. That's right, this film is actually dubbed in Italian. Well, I assume it's only Nicolas Cage who's dubbed because every other actor in this film is Italian, like the main cast are Italian. Um, let's let's start off with what the fuck happens then once I got 
<laughs> once I got the shock out of my system that this is in Italian, I'm going to be reading subtitles, making it slightly harder to kind of take notes. I kind of had to pause it a couple of times to just write stuff down because I didn't want to miss any of the dialogue. Um, I did. I had to rewind it a couple of times to read some of the dialogue because you're writing down notes and stuff like that. So I really had to fucking pay attention with this one, guys. So I think you bloody appreciate it. Um, so yeah, where do we start off? The beginning starts off. Nicky Nick Cage, our main man in this one, plays a guy called Enrico. He's um, an Italian lieutenant um, in Ethiopia in 1936. And he just gets up one morning real early, says to the guy, Shenaru, I got to get out of here. I got two fake. Um, on his way to the doctor. He's been uh, transported by a guy and they have a car crash. We then see a convoy of trucks coming the other way. And they talk to the guy who was driving the van and you find out that Enrico has gone rogue. He's just disappeared. And um, people go on the hunt. They're like, where the fuck is he? where's, where's Where's our American import in this Italian production? He's he's gone walkabouts, um, and then we kind of see everyone getting ready, and we see the next morning, and a guy guy getting ready. I believe it's uh, Mario, the guy that he shared a room with, um, and Cage just turns up, and he says uh, he says I was lost. I got I got lost on the way back. I tried to go to a construction site to see their doctor. I just decided to walk. Um, I was in so much agony. And then we see him get his tooth pulled out, which looks fucking horrible. I'll tell you that for sure. Um, yeah, so Cage and uh, Mario, or Enrico and Mario, are discussing. And um, Enrico asks him a question, like, how long do you reckon someone, it would take for someone to die from a stomach wound? It seems like quite an odd question, but then he goes into detailing what actually happened in the 24 hours or so he was missing it's pretty fucking action-packed i tell you that guys um he walked to the construction site like he left just left the guy there and said that's it i'm um i'm going like whether you like it or not i'm i'm off because this tooth's doing my head in um yeah and uh he meets this young guy at the construction site who like tells him hey you can get back to the, the the camp really easily if you take this shortcut kind of through the woods. You get to a lake and then uh, you follow it left and you'll be straight on the road back to where you need to be. Um, so he does so. Uh, see see him, see him kind of walking through the jungle and stuff like that. Uh, and probably one of the most surreal things. Well, I've seen some pretty surreal films, but like, fuck that nuts that... Uh, there's a lizard on a rock, so he picks him up. You think, oh, that's quite nice. He's uh, just having a look at a little lizard. He puts a cigarette in his mouth and just lets the lizard go. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Not only have you invaded Ethiopia, guys, you're then putting ciggies in lizards' mouths and getting them addicted to fags, and they won't be able to get cigarettes because they're lizards and they don't understand how to... They don't understand cigarette, like, they don't understand how to buy them or how to roll them, stuff like that. They, they wouldn't know. Even if you gave them an unlit one, they probably wouldn't be able to light it. 
it's just very responsible of him. Like, uh, it's one of the first of many irresponsible things that Enrico does. Um, he falls over in the jungle as well, cuts his hand. Um, and then just after this, he finds a, a lady swimming in a lake. Not the lake he's looking for, though. It's kind of a pool and there's a waterfall. Um, he asks her for directions. She doesn't, she doesn't understand a word he's saying. Um, Tries to bribe her of soap. That's how you. That's how you do it. That's how you. That's how you get people to do what you want. You can say it's a bar of soap, mate. It's got it from Lush. Have a go, and uh, that'll sort you right out. Um, then it got really weird for me because um, she comes out of the water, and he kind of awkwardly touches her on the arms, and she runs away. Rightly so, I reckon. Like. It's, he seems pretty creepy. Like you don't, you don't really know anything about his character. So he seems like a fucking weirdo. Um, and then, yeah, she runs and gets dressed, and he he like pursues her, and then undresses her again, and she doesn't seem into it, guys. Like, yeah, it feels like um, what well, it looked like to me. Like I got very confused because definitely. Definitely seems like he raped her, and oh, it's fucking out. Like, um, but then the next shot is her holding his hand. Obviously, post post coital hand holding, and real, <laughs> really confusing. What was she? Was was it consensual? Was it not? Um, and then he opens his bag and gives her like wants to give her a gift and he gives her a bible and she's she's looking at his watch so he takes it off and puts it on her and she kind of becomes besotted with him and uh, he tries to leave and uh, she chases after him and um i'm guessing like because she kind of holds his hand again and then motions down like she she falls well not falls but like she lowers herself down to the ground and get a classic fade to black and um yeah, I'm guessing they, they had sex again, at which point he says he fell asleep. Um when he wakes up she presents him with uh, some bread and some eggs. Raw eggs, bearing in mind, uh which he cracks open with a little knife and just fucking drinks an egg. It's oh, horrible. And he does her a drawing <laughs> of a of a lake, like really pictionary, basic lake, and uh, she knows nothing. She's like, what? "It's a fucking lake, man! Like, I have no idea what that is." Like, she, she, she doesn't know. So uh, he then, stroke a genius, draws a crocodile. She knows exactly what he's talking about. Takes her to, uh, uh, she takes him to the lake, and you see, you see a crocodile. Fucking hell, there's a crocodile, um, and. It's now starting to get late. It's starting to get night, night time. Um, I've just got to say one thing all the way through this, um, ever since he met this girl. No, no toothache all of a sudden, like a miracle cure. I don't even know why he had to get it ripped out the next day because it seemed like just having a bit of how's your father and all of a sudden he is right as rain. He is fine and dandy. Um... Yeah, it's drawing tonight, so they hide in a cave, 
and uh, decided to sleep there for the night. Um, during the night, they all opened by hyenas, and Enrico fends them off by shooting at them, but does not foresee what is about to happen. I didn't bloody... Well, I thought something might be going down, obviously, because of his cryptic question of how long do you reckon someone would die from a stomach wound. Um, a ricocheted bullet flies back and hits the woman in the stomach. And then we kind of get the story of how he hid her body and this like some how he cleaned up the crime scene in some kind of caveman crime scene clean up and says he washes his hand in the waterfall and yeah, he said once he'd hit the body, he realised, oh shit, she's got my watch. He doesn't want to get found out, so he sneaks back and grabs the watch. Um, yeah, he seems like a fucking piece of shit, to be honest. Um, and then when he's at the waterfall in the morning, he sees a uh, like an Ethiopian like tribe and they're like playing violins and stuff like that. And he hides out of the way because he doesn't want to be seen. Um and then we jump back to him telling the story and obviously it's done like that's it like he says like what should I do to which Mario replies well it'd be a waste of time to report it because they're just gonna quit you anyway and it doesn't really matter then they're interrupted uh, by mail call and we have Cage sitting out reading a letter, and Mary's like, oh, Who's the letter from? Is uh, your wife? And it's like, Oh, just when you thought he couldn't get any lower, not only is he out there, may or may not be raping ladies, he is a married man. He's a naughty fucking boy. The army are then called out to uh, do a patrol because some shit's gone down, basically, and they find. A load of people have been massacred, and amongst those people are some of the people he saw earlier in the procession, and the gentleman who had told him how to get back to where he needed to be. So he's kind of shook up. He's like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" I guess that part of him is worried that obviously they might find the body, and that might lead to even more suspicion because the rest of them are kind of out in the open. There's no. There's no, there's no trying to hide it, whereas his is clearly hidden because it's buried in a crevice. He revisits the cave where they had spent the night together, and he looks lost, like he looks, he looks forlorn. He looks, looks upset as, as he would be. <laughs> the men then head back to camp, uh, where Enrico is invited to a lunch. Well, you don't really seem invited to a lunch. He kind of sits down to a lunch. It's pretty awkward like the guys in there kind of ignore him when he comes in he apologizes for being late um and then all of a sudden a guy stands up and says let's have an applause and you know what the fuck is going on and uh it turns out that rico's been granted uh leave to go home and visit his wife and all the men are like oh brilliant you have to send us some wine from italy and they're all jovial and then we see Enrico and Mario just get fucking bladdered. They're getting pissed. Uh, they're having a good time. And uh, Mario says to him, oh, yeah, like, do you love your wife? He's like, of course I love my wife. So like, let's drink to your wife then. 
And then Enrico starts arguing with Mario, kind of. He's, his mind is plagued by what had happened the day previous, obviously. And um, he's saying, like, oh, it could like it could have been it could have happened so differently. How would like well, you you would have reacted differently or and then Mario's like, ah, don't worry, she would have been killed anyway. Obviously this village has been they've been wiped out, like there's nothing like nothing would have been different. He's like, yeah, the blood look, obviously the blood is on his hand, so he can't he can't forget about it. But what does Mario do? Like, what do you, what does anyone do when stuff gets tense? He starts, he starts singing. He just starts singing. Like, I don't know what he's singing. It's in Italian. Sorry, guys. Um, and then they just start dancing, like ballroom dancing together, up and down, up and down. And then the major comes, and he does not look happy at all. He takes them. He's like, you've been drinking. You've been you've been getting on a piss. Supposed to be men of the army. Supposed to be upstanding citizens. He takes them to his barracks, and he's like, "That's it. You're in. You're in for it. You guys better start giving me some answers now." And that mayor's a fucking joker. It was all a ploy. He gets them back there, and he's got the whiskey. He's got the cognac. He's got some cigars. They're loving it. They're having a good time. They're having a laugh. They're having a joke. And uh, Enrico and Mario discover that there's some stolen weapons in the in the 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 major's cabin. Like, oh, maybe he's a maybe he's a dodgy arms dealer or something. Um, and they decide to go out for a midnight patrol, like prowling prowling the town, the old dirty boys. Um, and uh, yeah, the 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 major's like, hey, you guys, uh, you guys should go talk to those two girls over there. And uh, Enrico's like, no, 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 I've, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested. Um, uh, Mario very much is. He's he's going over there. He's puffed his chest out. He's ready to talk to the ladies. Um, he quickly comes back and. The major finds it hilarious and um, turns out that these ladies have leprosy and the major says to him, um, yeah, they'll sit there for years. Uh, one of the signs of a lady with leprosy in this uh, this town is a white turban and it dawns on Enrique because Mariam, the lady he had met in the waterfall, the lady he'd given a bar of soap to, the lady he had slept with, the lady who had treated the hand that he had cut when he was in the jungle, was wearing a white turban, and his face drops. He stands there in the rain. They call after him. The guys call after him, like, Rico, Rico, you've got to get back. He's fucking devastated. You see his hand it's kind of looks septic it's um it, it reminded me slightly of the like growth or like scab on the arm of Jared Leto's character in Requiem for a Dream and just yeah it just felt from that point things are not gonna get good at all um there's a young boy outside of um, Enrico's tent at night and he calls him in and says like who like 
Elias, like, Mariam, that was your sister, wasn't it? And he's um, he's hesitant to answer, and he's like, the bald man, Johannes, that's your father, isn't it? And he doesn't answer, he's like, your sister was sick, he's emphatic, he's like, he's, he's angered. And um, the boy the boy agrees with him, and uh, he's just sent on his way. Um, the next day, that's it. Enrico's like, fuck this shit, I'm out of here. I'm getting back to Italy as soon as I can. Um, en route, though, he goes to see a doctor. And uh, he, <laughs> he chats to the doctor. He kind of, he comes in with a classic line of, oh, man, I'm kind of asking for a friend. I'm, I'm like, writing this novel um, about, I was thinking uh, a gentleman comes over here, gets involved with a lady and gets a tropical disease. Um like what type of thing? I'm kind of thinking like perhaps leprosy. Like what would be the what would be the ways that that would happen? Like what are the what are the symptoms? <laughs> so it happens that doctor's like perfect. I've got a book for you. Um, all the time this is happening, Enrico's got his hand in his pocket. And then when the doctor says to him, oh, don't worry, you can keep the book, he goes to catch it with his hand, his left hand that has been firmly planted in his pocket. And you can see in that moment, in the doctor's eyes, that it twigs. He's like, there's no friend, there's no novel. It's you, you fucking dirty bastard, you twat. Um, And they kind of skirt around the issues. So, with your friend, like... Did it like what? What does he have at home? Like wh- how? Like how will this novel pan out? Like, and he says, to him, "Let me have a look at your hand." And then when the doctor turns, he goes to shoot him, and misses, and then flees. Um, he gets. Uh, he then gets to the port. He gets on a boat, and a sailor says to him. You can't you can't leave on this boat because your papers aren't stamped. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck. He knows that the doctor would have called ahead and if he goes to the office to get his papers stamped, it's not going to work out. He's just going to be... He's going to be either be detained and kept or he's going to be put in a leper colony. So that's it. He's like, I'm off. He sleeps rough. And he goes to... Uh, the next day, he goes to a bar in a town... like. A lot of this film, stuff just kind of happens. There's no real... There's not a lot of exposition, really. Like, I don't know. Not that I like to be told what's going to happen or anything like that. But, yeah, it's just like all of a sudden, the scene cuts, he's there. We don't really have, like... We don't really know how he knows that this bar... Like, he can go in and talk to someone about getting on a ship... But he just does. Um, they say to him, ah, it's going to cost you like 30,000 lira. And he's like, I haven't got that money. I'll pay you when I'm back in Italy. Like, no, no. That's not how it works. So he's stranded. That's it. He's back out on the streets. And all of a sudden, who does he see? He sees the major. What a fucking turn of events. 
and the major says to uh, let's go for lunch and over lunch uh, Enrico sees that the ma- the major's like oh, I just have to quickly do some business and you see him looking from a distance and he can see that the major's just got a vast amount of money probably from an arms deal and um, you can see the look in Enrico's eyes that he's yeah that's that's my ticket out of here. I'll stick with the major for a bit and I'll take him for every bloody penny he's got. Um, they then travel back. Well, are planning to travel back to base camp and on the way, the major's like, I've got to go, got to go for a wee. Um, then leading for the perfect setup. Come on, guys, you all know where it's going to go. Whilst he's having a wee... Enrico takes the bullets out of his gun, takes the money out of his wallet and says, all right, Major, that's it. See you later. I'm off. The Major's confused, like, no, 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 I thought you were coming back. Like, he's like, no, no, see ya, see ya, I'm off. Bye. And then um, he's walking down the road and the Major's van pulls up in front of him and he's like, you stole my money. You fucking stole my money. I know you did. He's like, yeah, I did. And there's nothing you can do about it because he knows that the gun's unloaded. He knows that the major is an arms dealer. So he's like, if you rat me out, I'm ratting you out for being an arms dealer. Then we get him sat in a sat in a pile of rubble, sleeping rough again. He's reading his book on leprosy. And it's not looking good. He keeps checking his hand. It's like, ah, I'm fucked. Um, he's just desperately trying to get back to the town to get back on the boat. Um, tries to steal a horse, and the horse runs into a village. In that village, he sees Johannes, the man who is Miriam's father, and throws money at his feet and says, that's it, I'm staying here. Staying here, like, whether you like it or not, I'm fucking staying. Um, and he kind of holds up in this sh- shack for a while. And, um, yeah, you get, like, get a little scene of him rolling a cigarette and just lighting it off of a fucking massive flame, literally a fire. And he's there just lighting his cigarette. Fucking lucky. His face thing up in flames. Cage, you crazy bastard. Um, comes out one morning and finds that Johannes isn't there. And kind of wanders about the village and finds a shack that's got the Bible that he gave Miriam and then realizes that it's where she lived. It's kind of it's kind of confused me slightly though, because I kind of got the impression that in the time they were together, they never left each other unless she went back to the village when she got the eggs. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. It's not made very clear, to be honest. Um, and he talks to, he talks to Johannes. He's like, "I want to stay here. I'm sick. You need to look after me. I'm sick, and it's your daughter that made me sick." And he says, "I don't know what you talk about. Miriam wasn't sick." And then it's like, "What the fuck? What is wrong with Cage then?" Why does he think he's got leprosy? Has he got leprosy? Hasn't he got leprosy? Um, And he says, I need to tell you the truth of what actually happened to Miriam. 
and it's pretty fucking dark. Um, I'm not sure if this is something that he left out of the story that he was telling to Mario, or that this is that the ricochet didn't happen, but he puts like a cloth over her head and shoots her in the yeah shoots her in the head. I'm not sure if that is a reaction of obviously. Because she was badly wounded, he needed to put her out of her misery. Um, or that, for some weird reason, he's just a sick fucker. Shagged her, shot her, buried her. I hope it's not that. I hope it is. I hope it definitely is. Um, it's to put her out of her misery. Um, I don't know. He could have. T- he could have at least tried to take her to safety and get her fixed, but he didn't. And I think this is something that weighed upon him. I don't know, he is pretty, pretty, pretty fucking shady after that anyway, so, <laughs> um, yeah, and he shows Johannes to where he buried her, and Johannes, like, lifts up, he's a walking stick, lifts it up as if he's got twat him, lets out a loud scream, and then just puts his walking stick back down to the ground, it's kind of, he's exhaled, all of exhaled, yeah, exhaled, exhaled all of his anger, and he's done with it. And um, and you see a really nice scene of those two kind of getting along in the village, putting up a porch, and um, Johannes rubbing like a kind of ointment and cream into into his hand, and it looks like he's healing. And then we get a voiceover telling us about how the war like the Italians are leaving Ethiopia and it looks like stock footage it's in black and white but it's not because you see Enrico there and he he gets aboard a boat and he's chatting to Mario and um it's kind of says oh, I was all like a strange dream I know one thing's for sure though it's healed and shows his hand, and then we hear Mario's voiceover saying, I never saw him again, I did, didn't really want to, and you're kind of left with a seed of doubt in your mind, like, was Enrico a good guy, was he a bad guy, was he a piece of shit? And that's really it for the film, then it's over, and I don't know if you can tell by my tone of my voice, I kind of felt underwhelmed with this one um it was a real fucking shock to the system that it was subtitled obviously i wasn't expecting that but that's something i'm gonna have to come to terms with these films aren't gonna be as i expect because i have no expectations i don't really know what is gonna happen in them so just gotta be prepared for anything um yeah i didn't i there was parts of this I was really engaged, but then there's parts that I just thought, ah, oh, no. I couldn't get on board with the... the I, found, I, found, I found the relation... Well, the, I say relationship stuff, obviously, like... Yeah, the first, like, sex scene, I just, just made me feel uncomfortable. Um, kind of... I didn't really agree with his character and a lot of the things he did. Um... I like the Ernie Americone score. That was really fucking good. Uh, but apart from that, 
yeah, it was kind of, it, as I said, it was very underwhelming. Uh, it's enough of like what this idiot has to say about the film. Uh, I'm going to go on over, have a look online, check out some scores. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try and find free scores. Like I know there's never on Tuesday. There wasn't even, there was, there was like one score. They're like people, people avoided it like the plague. They avoided it like lepers. <laughs> um, so the ones I ideally try and go for are IMDB, Rotten Tomatoes and a Roger Ebert score. But I'm going to pull it up on Google now and see what the free scores are. They tend to give you free scores on the homepage. So let's have a look. Time to kill. IMDb score is 3.5 out of 10. I said that wrong. It's 5.3 out of 10. Sorry about that. Um, again, kind of middling, average. Um, yeah, oh, I feel like I feel like I nailed that slightly. Um, movie pilot, 4.6 out of 10. Obviously, it's not one of the ones I usually go for, but these are the free. These must be the free, the free main scores that they have. I, I'm not sure how the algorithm on Google works. I'm not really going to start looking into that type of thing. Um, and letterboxed, give it a five point seven out of ten. So yeah, I'm kind of averaging out. That's probably going to be five point three. Is probably an average score with that one it wasn't great guys um i'm kind of like i'm doing you a favor i'm out here watching these so you can you can you can skip them if there's a blinder obviously i'm gonna tell you if there's something like vampires kiss that's so bad it's so good that you guys just need to check out i'm gonna tell you and if there's stinkers like this, if there's stinkers like Never on Tuesday, I'm going to let you know. You can give them a wide berth. Um, let's uh, talk about what we have coming up. So we are 12 episodes down. And the next four films we will be looking at are Firebirds, that was released in 1990. Followed by episode 14, which be Wild at Heart, which be me and a guest. And that guest will be Martin Huckster, a local Brighton comedian. He is uh, performing at the Brighton Fringe. And there'll be more details on that, on his episode, which I said is Wild at Heart, also released in 1990. Then it's Zanderley from 1991. Followed by Honeymoon in Vegas from 1992. So we've got a lot of good stuff. Well, potentially good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to get on and record the episode for Firebirds straight away. I'm kind of ruining a bit of the podcast magic for you guys. I'm not sure how you think I record these sometimes. Like... Um, yeah, currently my girlfriend is away for two weeks um, and to keep myself preoccupied I am kind of recording as many podcasts as I can 
because I don't have that awkward thing of her being in the flat and me getting self-conscious about talking into a microphone on my own. Um, so, yeah, it's either it's either just sit about all day or do something that's relatively productive. I'm not sure if it is. You guys can always let me know if this is productive or informative or fun in any way on social media, um, which is at Caged in Pod, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, I just... Any comments, good or bad, just let me know, guys. Like, I don't know. Like, I... I've said it before and I'll say it again. I kind of don't know if I'm just screaming out into the wind with these or if people are actually listening. Like, I'm not sure if the stats I see on numbers are just people I've said, can you please set it to auto-download and subscribe on iTunes. Or if uh, people are actually out there listening. And if you are... Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Pod, Or just drop me an email. Drop me an email of any questions, um, how you're finding the podcast, or just anything, guys. Any funny articles you see. Like, I keep posting stuff on all the social medias of, like, funny shit I see. And, like, I make these stupid, like, photos and stuff like that for the podcast. Um, yeah, just get involved. It's... It's one man's stupid journey, but it could be many men, could be many women, could be many people's lovely stupid journey through the ridiculousness of Nicolas Cage. Um, but as always, guys, um, I've been Petrus Patsilovus. I've been caged in. You've been rad. Bye! This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.